This is Victory Christian Fellowship. We are a community focused on loving God and loving others. Tune in each week as Pastor Mark teaches us about God's love and the call on our lives. Come on, give him a hand clap and a little volume there. Come on, let's do it better. We can do it. Yeah. Amen. And while you're giving a hand clap, I want us to give a shout out to Chaplain Major Guy Krubaugh, who's watching from wherever he is right now. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. He texted this morning, said he'd be watching. Also, I want to welcome a good friend, uh, Pastor Scott Bowman, his whole family. Can they stand? I don't know if they can or not, or, or at least they've got four little ones right there. They're from the Frankfurt area, and they're visiting today, taking a little break. So we're glad to have them, and we're going to go ahead, and we're going to declare who we are, so take your Bible and hold it up, and we're going to allow children and middle school to be uh, dismissed today, and they're going to their classes in the back. So say this real loud with me. This is my Bible. It is the standard I live my life by, sustained by my, empowered by and express their outreach to others. Therefore, I can say, and, all right, you've declared it, and we believe it. Amen. You know, every year, at some point, I like to take a book of the Bible, and let's kind of study it in detail, either chapter by chapter, or even verse by verse, to get a real working understanding so I was praying about uh, what would be a good book in light of uh, where we are as, as a nation, really as the world and communities right now. And the book of Philippians just really stood out in my eyes. So we're going to have a study on Philippians, joy no matter what. Joy no matter what. Because we kind of look at the context of that book and see the time frame and what was the writer trying to communicate? What are some things that we can learn from it? This is a beautiful book written by the Apostle Paul to a church he planted, okay? The Apostle Paul writing this because he wanted to see them encouraged. And it's the first church he planted in Europe. He had a deep, deep affection and love for this body of believers. He actually had spent some time in prison in Philippi before the church plant. We went over this a few weeks ago when we were studying about praise and worship in Acts chapter 16. He and Silas were in prison, and I'm at facing certain execution, and they had been beaten, and they're in chains and all the type of stuff, and they're just singing and praising God. Would we have done that? Come on. Yes. Maybe, maybe we won't have to find out. No. But I tell you what, that's what they were doing, and God set them free. And he ended up planting a church there about A.D. 52-ish, somewhere in that time frame. Then Paul writes this book about 10 to 12 years after the church plant. So this letter he wrote was to an already established church to help them mature. Now, I know none of us ever need to mature, but you have family and friends that need to, right? So we're helping you so you can help everybody else. And he covers a topic all of us need, and that is to learn what it means to have joy. Come on, say joy. joy. You can't say it without smiling. 
Joy no matter what. Doesn't that sound appropriate right now? So no matter what circumstances you're having to face, you're walking through or may walk through, he wanted this church to encounter and live with joy. You can read the entire book. It's only four chapters, probably about 15 minutes. It's real short. But Paul mentions the word joy or rejoice 16 times. So I think you can see it's a real theme or focus of the book. In fact, in chapter 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, yes, he was wanting to help them. The irony of this book, he is writing this book about joy from prison. He is in prison. Your New Testament books are grouped together by types of book, books. Philippians is in a group and often referred to the prison epistles. And these are letters he wrote while he was in prison. So Paul is writing from a Roman jail. And listen, their prisons, nothing like ours. Our prisons would be looked at as a five-star hotel compared to his and what they had to deal with, okay? He would have been underground in Rome, no light, poor circulation, poor food, poor sanitation. I mean, he probably was chained because he talks about being chained in this book. So this is not a good situation. And, you know, think of all that he went through. He had wanted to minister, and he would love to minister to thousands of people in Rome, but he never got to do that. He's arrested in Jerusalem, brought to Caesarea, then a boat ride across the Mediterranean, and then he ends up in this Roman jail 10 years or so after the church plant in Philippi. And Paul begins, he, he says these words. Now look at this. I thank my God... I want you to see the atmosphere and so forth as we walk through this book. I thank my God. Time out. Would that be the first thing you would have written if you were chained down in the prison, no light? I would have been writing, help, get me out of here. Bake a cake with a file in it and bring it to me or something. Come on. But look at this. So let me pause a moment and say, this is the journey we're going to go on through this book. Joy, no matter what. Do you want that? Yes. Let me tell you why. People all around you, whether you know it or not, are looking for something. They're looking for help. They're looking for guidance. And if we're bound by fear and just self-preservation, they're just going to pass us by. And we're going to miss many an opportunity. I'm not asking anybody to compromise their health or do something that would be inappropriate. But I don't care what condition you're in or if you're watching online, what's going on in your life. There is someone that needs your joy. There's someone that needs the insight from your life. There's someone that you're supposed to help. I'm so glad I heard a testimony of an aunt getting saved this week. Isn't that awesome? I meant, what if next week 10 of you were to come in and say, I led this cousin, this neighbor, this coworker, this friend. Why not? Why not? But it's going to take a different shift, if I can use that word from the beginning, and know that God needs us to display and walk in pause. It's human nature in situations to want to pull back, 
to cry, complain, to have a bad attitude. And what we'll learn, if you'll stick with us in this journey through the book of Philippians is you can have joy when you're going through a bad day, a bad week. How about this? A bad season or a bad year. Because we don't know how long this whole thing is going. Don't postpone your joy. Step in into today, okay? Everyone has a bad day, especially right now. <clears throat> it's a whole season. And bad situations are inevitable. Well, someone could say, well, pastor, be positive. I am being positive. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have one from time to time. You might have had one this week. But the issue can be so many don't see well through them. And I'll just put this plug in. This is the need for our Christian community, church family, sticking together, communicating, calling one another, checking on one another, not assuming things and making decisions. Talk, visit. There's a lot we can do even in this. So we're going to mature. I'm going to mature in Jesus' name. How many want to grow with me? Okay. One of the marks of a mature Christian is how do you respond to your bad days? How do you respond to them? God has something for you in the middle of that bad day, that bad moment, that bad season that can change your life. So Paul starts off, I thank my God because I'm just sitting on the floor in this jail, chained to a guard probably, and I'm just thinking about what a cool church you are. And really, that's what he's doing. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it here. Now, would I have done that? I don't know. I hope I won't have to find out. But can you make those choices even now when you could choose something separate to go ahead and walk in joy? I thank my God every time I remember you. Every time. Every time I remember you. That's such a good thing. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with, oh, come on, help me out. How does he pray? He prays with joy. He prays with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In other words, community, ongoing relationship, even though they were separated, it's going forward. It's, <clears throat> it's going on. And that's what we need to do as well. I'm going to drink some water here. <clears throat> Allergy drip, be gone. Then he says a very powerful line in this text. <clears throat> Being confident of this. He's confident. Now, what do you have confidence in right now? Where's your confidence? Please let it not be the news, the latest COVID report or this. Please. And I'm not saying we need to have our heads stuck in the sand, but where's our confidence? Where is our joy? Where is it resting? But this is what he's confident of, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Paul is telling this church, every dream you've had, every vision you've had, every hope that you have, and you started that in God, it's going to happen in Jesus' name. Now, this is a guy 
whose none of his dreams are happening right now. None of them. This is a guy who, instead of speaking to the masses, he's chained in prison. How does he do that? That's kind of the question for us to ponder today. How can Paul possess this kind of attitude? Well, he's confident of this, that God had began a good work in you and others. See, he was others' conscience. He was thinking of other people. He cared for others. He wasn't just consumed with himself. He knew even though he was there, they were free, and he's praying for them and believing for them that God's just going to advance everything in their life. That's a lesson for us in intercession. We've been modeling this on Wednesday night with pray first and I for intercession, praying for others. How did he get that? So let's take this journey to examine something Paul had that he wants you and I to have. Well, what he had was better than happiness. What he had was a thing called joy. Joy. I'm convinced as I look at America, even many believers, they are in the pursuit of happiness. Think about it. It's even looked at as an American dream. Life's going well. I have plenty of stuff. There's my word if you've never heard me use it before. Stuff. Everybody say stuff. Stuff. Wow. Blue skies, baseball, apple pie, and Chevrolet. If I got it, I'm happy. But listen, it doesn't always work out like that. And it's not working out for Paul this way at all. And it doesn't have to wreck your life or wreck your day or your week or your season or your year when it's not going that way. You can have something that surpasses happiness. It's called joy. Everybody say that word again. Joy. My opinion as a whole in our land, few people actually discover it. And unfortunately, many believers never discover joy. They figure out ways to get happy from time to time, but never just discover this beautiful principle, this virtue, this quality that's available for every believer, and it's called joy. So before we begin kind of outlining verse by verse and going chapter by chapter, all I want to do today is give us the difference between happiness and joy. Because if you don't understand that, the book will make no sense to you. The difference between happiness and joy. So here we go. And uh, it's on the back of your bulletins. If you have the Victory app, you can look at that and the notes are on that as well. Happiness is external. It takes something out there, something external to bring you the emotion of happiness. The sun is shining. I'm happy. I get to go to the beach. I'm happy. I got my way. Oh. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. I get to do the activity I want. I'm happy. I get to eat my favorite food. I'm happy. External. Well, joy is different, okay? Joy is internal, meaning it is not based on the conditions of circumstances and the things that are going on around you. Therefore, you can have joy on a rainy day. You can have joy on a rainy day. 
And of, listen, of any individual who had the right, who lived this and understood this, was Paul. And he has a right to bring this message to me and to you. I know we can start listing off individual issues and circumstances that make us joyless or trying to make us joyless. And we can say, well, my case is different. And I understand. I really understand. But trust me. Please trust me. Our situation isn't as bad as Paul's. It is not as bad as Paul's. Paul had it rough. Now, we won't do it for time's sake, but just read it in 2 Corinthians 11. He's just sharing some of the things he went through. He's not doing it to have a poor me attitude. He's just relating. Look, I've been through some things. Five times he received 39 lashes when he was being disciplined for sharing the gospel. That's what Jesus went through. That scourging was 39 times he was whipped at a whipping post. Paul went through that five times. Many a good man would die going through it once. Listen, Paul was a tough dude. And about the time your scars and your wounds are just healing up, they're doing it again? Think about it. Then he was beaten with rods three times. I can't imagine what all that was about. He was shipwrecked three times. I think I'd not get back on a boat. I mean, I don't know. Of course, sometimes, a lot of times he was a prisoner. He had no choice. Three times, one of those shipwrecks, he was bobbing up and down in the open sea for a day and a night. Wow. Um, probably broken boards to stay afloat. One of the shipwrecks, he finally, they make it to shore and they're building a fire to dry off and get warm. And a viper comes and bites him. It's hanging off his hand. How many would say, Paul, you just live over there and I'm going to live over here. I mean, that would be the temptation that this guy went through everything. But Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4. I want you to see there. It's important that you see this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. Now, I don't care how well we take care of ourselves, and please do, and how well we eat and please do or exercise and all this stuff, our bodies are getting older. Oh, I'm okay. Bo, you're getting younger every day. You're looking great. Okay. Just, it's just a fact, okay? Yet inwardly, inwardly, where joy can be, where joy really re- resides, outwardly, it's where circumstances are that either make you happy or sad. And that's wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day, even in the middle of COVID-19. Day by day by day by day. I'm being renewed day by day. Now look at this next part. For our light and momentary troubles. Now, there's some people, they're dealing with so much depression right now over this, they, they can't even function. Look, this dude, he, he might be facing execution the next day. He's chained to someone in the dark. No ventilation. He calls it light and momentary tribulation. Wow. That's achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. How? All. 
And this is what you got to do. If you're going to walk in joy, if it's going to be the theme of your heart and your life. So we're going to fix our eyes on what's out there and what can make me happy. What I get, what activity I get to do, how I feel, what I feel. We're going to fix our eyes, not on what's seen, but what is unseen. You've, you've got to get this. It's a joy inside. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? Eternal. Listen, heaven, eternity, joy unspeakable, and what? Glory. Full of glory. Please don't forget it. Now, he's saying, I found something better. Well, how do I do it, Pastor? How can that happen? We fix our eyes ahead. Here's something else. Difference between happiness and joy. Joy outweighs happiness in all situations. Always does. What else? Happiness is based on circumstances. The word happiness, the prefix hap, is Latin for circumstance or luck. That's what it means. So you're at the mercy of what just happens. Circumstances, the circle I'm standing in. Here's my circle, and I choose to stand in that. I choose to stand in my circumstance. Is that what you want to do? No, not me. It can just be the place you've decided to dwell. Have you ever noticed two people, maybe the same family, they walk through the same family dynamic issue? One chooses a certain way to make them better. One chooses a certain way to make them bitter. Same situation. One took it, I'm going to stand in this until it kills me. And it does. Other one says, you know what? I'm going to give God glory, and I'm going to get through this, and I'm going to come out better than ever before. Don't dwell in it. Don't let that circle define you. But joy is something else. Sorry, I forgot to put that. Joy is based on Christ. Happiness is based on Circumstance, joy is based on Christ. Joy is based on your continual exploring, continued development, your continued pursuit, your con continued surrender. Please, Christ is not, oh, well, that's my I get to go to heaven card. I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to go back to living life just to be happy. That's not serving Christ. It's a surrender, a total surrender, and your relationship keeps growing and maturing and changing. Now, he's going to do a few things for you when you really surrender to him. What are some of the things he'll do for you? Number one, he's going to do the supernatural. You can't explain it. He just changes you as you submit and you surrender. He just changes your want to around. You want to do the things that please him. You run from the things that you know that grieve his heart. It's just you're... The sky is bluer, the grass is greener because he changes you from the inside out. But then there's something else called natural. There are things he will teach you. You have to learn it and you have to respond. And this can lead to joy. It's discipleship. We're on this journey to learn some things. Now, I'm going to skip a few chapters for a moment, but natural learning discipleship. Look what Paul said in chapter 4. I have learned, in other words, 
God didn't just pour this all on me. God didn't just make me do this supernaturally. I have learned. Say this with me. I have learned. What? To be content. You can't do that if you don't understand joy. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Wow. Think of that with this whole book, this whole chapter. What a powerful verse for us in this day. So whatever is going on around me, I've learned some things. And when you learn them, they really, really help you and settle you and stabilize you so that you have joy, you have purpose. You can go forth now, parents with children, whether you're homeschooling, uh, Christian school, public school, whatever, you can go forth with confidence for the fall. Just things, learning the heart of God so you can go forth in power and might and be a blessing to other people. One more of an opening for today, just to give you a a difference between happiness and joy, because we're going to walk in joy. And everybody says, all right. Happiness happens by chance. Here's what I mean by that. It's not really up to you. That's the problem with happiness. It's not up to you. It's up to the condition. Is the condition good or is it bad? If it's good, I'm happy. My team won the game. I'm happy. They lost. I'm sad. It is often things you cannot control. So when happiness happens, or if it happens, it's by chance. Joy happens by choice. You got to choose it. Well, I don't want to. Well, then you're not going to have joy. Well, it's hard. I didn't say it was easy. It's a choice. It's up to you to understand and cooperate and walk in. You must be careful letting the things you cannot control control you. Let me say it this way. Don't let the things you can't control control you. And for too many, that is their journey right now in this pandemic. But you're here today, or you're watching online, and that's why there's a book in the Bible called Philippians. God wants to give you something so much better than happiness. There's another way. It's called the joy of the Lord. So if you're at the mercy of things you cannot control, I'm just telling you very plainly, there is another way. There's something else you can choose. Let me tell you two stories. The first one is about an old hymn, and many of you probably would be familiar with this story. It was written in the 19th century by Horatio Spafford. In 1871, he was a very, very successful attorney in Chicago. He had four daughters, and then they had a son, just so excited as a family, and then suddenly the little baby, the little boy, died. I I mean, I can't imagine the pressure, the heartbreak. That is a terrible thing. Maybe you've walked through this. My family walked through it. I lost a seven-year-old brother growing up. It's a horrendous, horrendous thing that just takes the Lord in his grace to heal. Also that year was the Chicago fire, which devastated the city and businesses and so forth. So a year later, a friend in England wanted to bring them over for a respite so they could just recharge and have some time and get stronger. Well, right before they were going to leave, the whole family, 
Horatio, his wife, and four daughters. Business things happened, and he realized he had to stay, so he's going to send his wife and children on over and join them, you know, a week or so later once he got all that together. Well, as the wife and the children were going across the ocean, there was an accident with another vessel. The boat sunk, and 226 people died in that accident, including the four daughters. Somehow his wife lived through the ordeal, made it on another boat to England, and sent a telegram to Horatio, saved alone. Saved alone. So he quickly found a way to get on another vessel, going over, and the captain aware of his situation, of his loss. He said, we're going to be right over the spot where that happened. And he says, will you please let me know when we're there? And not only did he let him know, they they just stopped the ship for a while. And he went out on the bow of that boat. Boat got to that spot, went out just looking at the blue water, and he penned these words, when peace like a river attends my way. So when life is great, I'm happy. And when seas like billows roll, when it's not going so good, whatever my lot, you have taught me. I've learned something. I've learned it. You've taught me to say it is well. It is well with my soul. Not with my circumstance. Grief is a real thing. Please don't ignore grief. It's a process. But it's a process. Don't stop in that circumstance. God will help you through. It's well with my soul. I'm making a choice that even though everything on the outside is tearing me apart, I know there is something on the inside much, much better. And all these years, over a century later, a long time later, we still sing that song, still give strength to people. So you think, well, great, Pastor, that's a long time ago. Good story. Is there something even more current? Yeah, I'm going to share one from my own family, own situation. You know, when my mom and dad got married, they weren't really serving the Lord at all. And then as a child, they did get saved, just a growth process, and then spirit-filled, and on and on. And when Jeanette and I got married, there was such growth in their life. It, it was phenomenal. So we had not been married hardly any length of time. And my dad had been a volunteer fireman as well. He, you know, he did a bunch of things. But in a process of rescuing people in a derailment where there was a very toxic material, he got some of that on his person, and it led to cancer. So he died at a young age, a uh, spot where I still really needed my dad, and my mom was just turning 50 years of age. Now, you have to understand my setting down in Louisiana. We had a big farm, and we had lots of cows. Did I say we, have lots? we had lots of cows? And we had that property, and we rented property, and on that property we had lots of cows and the water work system, and, and he developed subdivisions. He did a lot of different things. Now, my mom was smart. She said, I'm going to tend to the house. So she never got involved in any of that. She loved to cook and entertain and raise children and decorate and help people and go pray with people. So it's just, if you saw my mom, you wouldn't even know she was from a farm. It was just uh, two different 
people. My dad took such good care of her. I mean, he paid every bill. He, she didn't know how to put gas in her car, okay? I'm serious. Not that she was ignorant. He just took care of her. He suddenly did. Suddenly. So my pastor, Brother Larry, was so gracious to give us some time. I took several days just to be up there with her in, you know, the little town where, where I'm originally from. And he was buried on a Monday, and we, the midweek service is on a Tuesday, and we're at church. I mean, you just, you go to church. Everybody say, I go to church. And not because it was a religious thing, it's the strength that, that you need. So during, during the worship part in this little church, uh, Spearfield Church, suddenly my mom had a prophetic song of praise, of thanksgiving having just buried her husband, and it wasn't supposed to happen that way. But that was the circumstance around us right then. It wasn't supposed to happen that way. But it was one of hope and this, and the Lord spoke to my heart, she's going to be all right. She's going to do just fine. And, I mean, it was glorious. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. My mom had been at uh, college at, uh, gosh, what was the name of the college in Lafayette? Big college, and she was Miss Voice there and all that type of stuff and uh, for the school. Just a beautiful song of praise. So the next day, I'm sitting down with her talking about the future, and of course, all this responsibility now fell on me, the farm, the cows, or this, the that, trying to just juggle that and make sense. I said, Mom, what's on your heart? She just said, I want to go to Bible college. Now, this is a lady who doesn't know how to put gas in her car, okay? And I said, we're going to do it. And um, she wanted to go where Jeanette and I had gone, Christ for Nations. She and Dad had visited often and would go for special things. So I got her a new car and showed her how to put gas in this car. Dad died in October. She started in January and moved from the big house, big house to keep up, over 5,000 square feet of house to this tiny little apartment. And she would call, I'm so, she says, I can vacuum the whole place with just one plug-in. <laughs> I mean, she, she just, she decided, I'm just going to bloom and blossom. Now, all she had known was she got married when she was 19, raising a family, cooking, Da, 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 serving the Lord, but, but now she's in Bible school and she blossomed so much in her ministry. The school had just bought uh, a new facility or youth facility in Jamaica. They would always reach out and put uh, schools like Germany and, and different countries. So they were birthing a school in Jamaica. And they approached mom and said, would you be the first dean of women at this Bible school? This is a lady who did not know how to put gas in her car. And she said, absolutely. And I thought, okay, more responsibility. I got to, you know, Jeanette and I, we made this happen for her, but we knew it was our responsibility. It's called the sandwich generation. Some of you there, you're taking care of parents above you and you're raising children below you. And so mom, you know, last Friday was one year that she passed away. She was 87 years old. But I'm going to show you a picture that I keep. The magazine... uh, the school would do a monthly magazine. If you're familiar with Christ for the Nations, they would mail it out to their students or interested people. And this particular one, they did a whole feature article inside about the school in Jamaica, and they have mom and some students on the front. Let me show you this. So there it is. She's about 54 years of age. This is the whole magazine. 
the front cover, and here's the picture just blown up. In Jamaica, full of joy, made a choice, made a choice. He wasn't supposed to die. Well, I'm going forward with life. Made a choice and served there for a year, just loved it, finished her obligation, came back, and then God brought Bill into her life. He became my stepdad. His wife had passed away. He was a retired brigadier general. I married them. <laughs> they were married for 17 years before Bill passed away, and then my mom was a, a widow for about 16 years. It's a choice. It's a choice. What do you need to get over? What do you need to lay down? And the Bible gives you that choice today. Let me say it this way. I can't stop circumstances and you can't either. We pray protection. We agree. We take the scripture. But truth be known, they're gonna, things are just going to happen. We lived in a cursed earth. We live in our bodies, and we read it earlier, they're wasting away. We live among war and rumors of war and unforgiveness and hatred and stuff that's around us that none of us have to choose. Just respond in the opposite spirit. And the middle of that, there's a choice to be made, a joy choice. Everybody say that, joy choice. And it was our theme when we took that series, Pentecost in this hour, in Deuteronomy 13, 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I've set before you. A choice. Here's a choice. Life and death. How about the next choice? Blessing and curses. Well, then he goes ahead and gives you a hint what you need to choose. What are we supposed to choose? Life. Why would we not choose joy and just be looking for happiness? Well, it's going to be a discipline. It's going to be a total devotion and surrender to the Lord. It's going to be, God, your way, not my way. It's a choice. It is a choice. One more scripture, and it's a prayer. Philippians 1. And I'm reading this really almost like a prayer for us. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. In two things, in knowledge and in depth of insight. Knowledge and depth of insight. So there's some things you need to learn, and then some things that need to happen to you supernaturally. Learn the secret of this saying. But I'm praying that something supernatural just grips a hold of us, that joy becomes such a revelation. It's not just an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. Just like when you get married, you're married. Some days you feel it great, and then some days it's a little bit of work. Jeanette says, be careful. Hey, we heard from the honeymooners yesterday. They're, our youngest son got married here a week ago on Saturday, and they sounded great. So praise the Lord. One week down, and they're full of joy. But there's going to come a time in their marriage, a little misunderstanding, or forgot to do this, or that didn't get taken care of. Test will come. It is a choice. It is a choice. Yeah, don't mess up the TV and all that. 
Yeah, Jeanette, yesterday, I'm going, she wanted to plug in her music. She wrecked the whole system. We had to get help to come in. I, I said, I got it fixed. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. You're messing with my joy. Don't touch it. Oh, that's happy. Thank you, Sarah. Give Sarah a high five. That was great, Sarah. You're right. It was. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Joy is the best. The joy of the Lord is your strength insight to go forward. Know what to do today, tomorrow when you go to work. How to encourage that loved one, that, that neighbor, that, that widow that's locked up in her house and just needs someone to go see her. Listen, I went and saw one widow this week. She just collapsed in my arms in tears. She's so lonely. You don't know what to do. I've got 26 widows on a list. I'd be happy to share some of them with you. There's stuff you can do. There's a lot we can do. And then when you give in that way, the joy you get. The joy you get in the midst of a pandemic. Oh, but what if someone breathes on me? <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a virus. You're going to live. Amen. Come on. Now, and I'm not making light of it. I know it's a serious thing for some people, not everybody. Joy. Can we stand? Bow our heads for a moment. Trying to have fun with this as well. Just bow your heads. No moving right now unless absolutely necessary. You can't have joy if Jesus is not the center of your life. You're not born again. It's just you're in the pursuit of happiness. And if you're here and you'd say, Mark, I, I really need to just surrender to Jesus today. I know about it. Maybe you once were serving him. You got discouraged. But if that's you and you know you need to just say, I'm going to make Jesus Lord today. Raise your hand. I'm not going to make you come forward. But just raise your hand and I know that you're here. Anybody at all. You need Jesus. Okay. Let me ask this. Who would say, Mark, I'm in a struggle with this joy dilemma and happiness, and I really need the Holy Ghost to help me day by day discern this and begin to understand joy and let that become the foundation inside my spirit, man. And if good things happen that make me happy, that's wonderful. But whether they do or not, I'm going to walk in joy, and I'm going to portray that and live that for others. How many need that type of surgery in their life? Raise your hand, and I'll know you're here. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to pray right now, and we're going to sing this song in closing. Man, I want that for each one of us so much. I love you dearly. So glad you're here or you're watching online. Joy. Father, I thank you, Lord, for my family here today. I love them so much. I know many of the things that they're walking through, many of the things they would be dealing with at home or work or their health, and it's real. It's real stuff. We don't ignore it. But, Father, I just pray that you would infuse them through the study of this book 
with joy unspeakable, full of glory, that they can say just like Paul did throughout this book, that joy, (laughs) joy is something he experienced. Joy is something that caused him to live life well, even in prison. Joy came to his heart every time he thought about this glorious church in Philippi. So Lord, I thank you. You're expanding that in each one of our lives today. We thank you that we're saved. We thank you that you have filled us with your spirit. We thank you. We have the privilege of singing and making your name great in Jesus' name.